Hello, and welcome to the First Prez Mommy podcast, the show for people on the go who like to stay in tune with the conversations at our church. Today, Pastor Jason Armstrong speaks about Deuteronomy 5, 1-21, and 6, 4-9. Loving the Lord means we internalize His Word, teach it to our children, and hold it up in our community. Let's hear today's message. Well, as I was considering our text for this week, a question came to my mind as I was looking at, especially at the Deuteronomy 6 passage, and the idea, the question I asked myself is what does complete love, what does complete devotion look like? What image or images come into your head when I ask that question? As I was asking myself that question, Uh, During the week, I had an image that came to my head almost immediately. So I'm not claiming it's divinely inspired. Uh, It might just be my my, uh, things I've seen in my life. But I figured if it came that quickly to me, it's probably good to use it this morning. So you may remember, some of you certainly would remember, when the Beatles came to America in 1964. This was, uh, when they came to play their music, this was much of the response that was received in 1964 by young people. You may remember those types of scenes and the videos uh, that played when of the screaming and carrying on and just devotion and love that these uh, young people were showing for the Beatles. I often wondered if they actually even heard the music uh, that they were witnessing over all the screaming and carrying on that they were doing. But I bet that those young people in their love and devotion for the Beatles, I bet they knew every word to every song. I, I bet to them it was even as if it was the word of God, holy word from the Beatles, right? So in, in a way, they loved in a way and in a passion, with a passion that I don't know that I can understand not being from that generation. I'd like to hear more from you, you all after the service about that if you experienced that. But certainly it was a product of the culture of the time. And no doubt there were certainly Beatles fan clubs around the country. And as being a part of those clubs, there might have even been a creed. If you're part of this club, you're going to act this certain way in regards to the music and the, the devotion to the band. It became really a part of your identity, at least for a little while, maybe for the entire life. Because I can imagine that the people who, certain, such as these who knew every word to every song, they certainly passed on their love of the Beatles' music to their children, their grandchildren, and on from there. So while this may be an extreme, kind of a emotional, almost superficial uh, description of love this morning, because it's, it's pretty much based on emotion, it still leads us to consider what I think our text consider, leads us to consider this morning. It's really two questions that are, one, one, one goes with the other. The question is, who do we love? And the second question related is, how do we love? So who do we love? How do we love? Who are we dedicated to? Who do we revere? Who are we loyal to? Who is the object of our passion, our desire? Who will we dedicate our resources to? Whose words do we know? Whose words have we memorized? 
whose words will we never forget? And as we take on an that type of identity, whose words do we pass on to our children? So we, we begin to consider this today as we continue in our story going through with Moses and the Hebrew people. So Moses, last week, we heard about his interaction with God at the burning bush. He's called, Moses was called to lead God's people out of slavery in Egypt. And you may, you may, you may remember the story of the ten plagues, the phrase, let my people go, Moses would declare to the Pharaoh. And of course, eventually, Pharaoh did let the people go, but as they were out and going, going their way, he changed his mind. Pharaoh had his army chase the, chase the Hebrew people to the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea. The Hebrew people crossed safely, and when the Egyptian army crossed, the waters came back and destroyed the army. And as they were going along after that, they were going to go into the land of Canaan, to the promised land. They sent 12 men out to survey the promised land, to see what waited for them as they came to take this land that has been promised them. Ten of the men came back. They did not trust in the Lord, did not trust in the Lord's promises. They did not remember who they were. They did not remember who God was. And their report was, these people, we can't defeat these people. They're too big. They're too strong. We should not attack them. We'll lose. This is in uh, Numbers 14, if you'd like to read that story later. Two men remembered God's promises, who God is. That would be Joshua and Caleb. And they came back and said, we can take this land. God is with us. They remembered God's promise. But the people rebelled against Jacob and and, and, uh, Caleb, Joshua and Moses and God. And they said, no, we believe these ten other men. We are afraid. We're not going to pursue the promised land We don't believe that God is who he says he is. We don't believe in God's promises. We don't remember. So God said, well, now you're going to wander the desert for 40 years till that generation is gone, the people who rebelled against me. And in our text today, those 40 years are coming to a close. The Hebrew people are on the verge of entering into the promised land, into Canaan. They're just on the east side of the Jordan River getting ready to cross over. So as the Hebrew people prepare to cross the Jordan River, they they face this defining moment as they look to what's going to be in the future as they take in on this land, this land that was promised to them for generations and generations by the Lord as the Lord's chosen people. We remember this in Exodus 19.5. Now if you, the, the Hebrew people, obey me fully and keep my covenant, God says, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. You will be my treasured possession. So as they look to begin their future with this in mind, God's people in the land of Canaan, they face a threat. They're surrounded by other cultures who worship other gods. Cultures that could distract them or influence in them from and their descendants from remembering who God is and by extension remembering who they are. Distractions that would turn their obedience from God take them on the wrong path. 
So how would the people be able to stay on this right path of God's? How would they be able to define their identity? How would they remember who they are while remembering who God is? How would they be able to do that in the midst of other cultures around them? How would they pass on their identity identity as God's chosen people from generation to generation? So into this situation, God gives them, God gives them commands, his words to follow. God speaks it, it says in the text. He speaks it. And then he writes it on stone tablets. And then he gives it to Moses to teach and remind the people. What, it, what does it look like to act as the Lord's people? The Ten Commandments tell us. It's defined in God's own words, commonly would be referred to as the law. And the law begins with the Ten Commandments. Two things I wanted to make notice to you about this morning about the Ten Commandments. Commandments one through four, they are how the people are to relate to God. Remember commandment one, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And then commandments five through 10, they're how people are to relate to one another, God's people. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or possessions. These commandments, they're the basis of loving God and loving others completely and fully. When these commands are followed, when this path is laid up for life and you follow it, God's commands, the people, it says in this text, the people will be blessed. That will be the result. In Deuteronomy 5, 32 and 33. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk, live in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Remember who God is. Remember God's word, the word that was spoken to you, the word that was written to you, the word that was presented to you. Remember it. And remember who you are. You are God's people. So this leads us into the verse which is considered the most essential declaration of the Jewish faith even today. A passage that is recited twice a day in morning and evening services. And it's the high point of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the most holy day in the Jewish faith. And it's often recited as a prayer when a person is dying. It's Deuteronomy 6.4. This is known as the Shema. <clears throat> here, the word Shema is here. O Israel, the Lord our God the Lord is one. Shema, hear, listen, obey all the people of Israel. The Lord, the God, the, the one Moses encountered that we remember last week at the burning bush, the one who declared, I am that I am. Our God, our, God, our Lord is one. Our God, our Lord is first. It's the true God. He gives us our true identity. Even though we might be surrounded by 
people who worship other things. Our God is one. Our God is the Lord. Our God is first above all. This, the God, the Lord, who is present with us, he's been present with us in fire. We've seen him in, in smoke making uh, shade for us. We've seen him on the mountain. The Lord who speaks his commands. The Lord who writes on stone tablets and gives us his word. The Lord who provided for our ancestors in the desert for 40 years. The Lord who acts, the Lord who saves. This is a Lord that is true, will, will be true always, and has been true always. And as a people, as a nation, it's because of who God is, we are the Lord's people. And because we're the Lord's people, we are called to respond and proclaim this word in a fundamental way. Our text tells us we are to love the Lord. Love, what does that word, it means a lot of things to us. It's not quite what we looked at earlier with that picture of the young people with the Beatles, I don't think, is what we're talking about. Not really considering emotion so much this morning. It's closely, but it's closely related to other things like reverence and awe, even fear. And it's expressed in loyalty and service. It, it involves our entire being, everything that we are, and our dedication of everything we have. To love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This word heart, to love God with all your affections and your will, your thoughts, your feelings. Being completely aware of God's words and commands and accepting them wholeheartedly and without reservation. Your soul, it's, it's this part of your body, but also combines your spirits together. Who you are as a physical person and, and also your desires and your passions, that's all wrapped up together in soul. And all your strength. Now this word has a couple meanings. We think of strength and we just think of physical strength, muscle. And while that's part of that word, it also means might or force. So the strength you display and, and the resources that you have and the status that you have in the world and the wealth that you have and all your possessions, that allows you to bring might and force and power. Those are also strength. In other words, we're to love God with all we are. We're to love God with all we have. So this is how we love the Lord our God. We love him with our hearts our minds, our will, our inner being. And that brings us into Deuteronomy 6-7, which specifically talks about children. And this is a command that goes on in perpetuity to remember to pass on God's commands, God's words to our children. Teach them to your children. Remember who I am, so you remember who you are, and they remember who they are. So each generation to follow, they can face challenges that will pop up in their face. Certainly the, the people will have challenges and they enter the, the promised land. We have challenges today in our own time. But that our children will not be overwhelmed by temptation to swerve in a different course in their life. Scripture just talked about swerving from the right or to the left, but saying on God's road, God's road of freedom. Impress these words on your children. Teach them directly and clearly. 
who God is and what God's word teaches. Teach them sharply, teach them diligently. And do this consistently and do this without limit, with a sense of urgency. This is how important the Lord's word is. The text says to speak to the Lord and declare and teach them when, they, when you get up and when you go to sleep, when you sit down and when you walk. This means always, in all circumstances, with urgency and with great import, continue to teach the word of the Lord to your children. So that you remember who you are, you remember who God is, and they remember and know who they are and have their identity in God. So teaching children about God and God's word is definitely an urgent matter. Those of you who've had children, you know that once the child is born, it seems like that clock ticks and it ticks faster and faster and faster and all of a sudden a child who's born is all of a sudden going to graduate high school soon, like my own son sitting back there. I remember going to a conference called an Orange Conference with Jeanette Axford and, and Stacy Tolbert, I think it was about 10 years ago. And if the orange, orange is a strategy, it's a strategy to disciple children. It leads parents and leaders to create a community that communicates the timeless message of who God is and who they are to them so that the next generation can love God fully and love others as well. And the kind of big idea is that the church is yellow, the home family is red, combine those together, and when they work together to disciple children, there you have the color orange. So with this purpose of illustrating the urgency of, of teaching our children, proclaiming God's word to them, teaching them who they are, teaching them what it means to love God, they had an illustration where they took a jar and they, they filled it with marbles and they had it on a table in front of us. Each marble in this jar represented a week of a child's life <clears throat> from birth to uh, graduating high school. So they say that there's 936 marbles in that jar, that many weeks. So when a child's born, that's the jar. And every week, they take a, 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 every week of their life, a marble gets taken out. Of course, over a year, 52 marbles get taken out. And as years go by, more and more marbles are taken out. And as you see them coming out of that jar and you hear them hitting the table as they're taken out of the jar, you start having a sense of urgency. Time is moving with your children. And of course, you get to junior high and high school and less, there's less and less marbles until you get to just a few weeks before high school graduation. And then this is the jar that's left. Now, as a parent, grandparents in the room, you see those three, three uh, marbles left, and that was very urgent, uh, urgently convicting, if that's fair to say. I still remember that with a great, that was a great memory. But it gives us a sense of the urgency of time going by that we have to communicate and teach our children and press upon them who God is and who they are. And it's the, serious of, uh, the seriousness of this is, I guess, proclaimed, that you could say, in 8 and 9 of Deuteronomy 6, tie God's word as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads. In the uh, Orthodox Jewish tradition, they, they've taken this literally, and they wear what's called phylacteries. 
which are small other boxes with straps on them that they actually put this text and some other text in these boxes. They put them on their head, on their forehead, and they, they put them around their arm. There's a picture of a gentleman honoring that. This symbolizes their physical, emotional, and intellectual dedication and love of God, and also remembering who God is and who they are. Of course, as you can imagine, this translates further into their homes and communities, putting the, the word above their homes, it says in the text, and, and the gates of their cities. And while we don't, we don't uh, prescribe to this, this faith tradition, certainly we can learn some, some, uh, some dedication, some, a lesson about dedication and faith from that type of practice. But from this moment in the Bible, we are, as we move through the history, and we'll move through this history together over the coming months, of course, we notice two things that even reflect our, our uh, confession this morning. One is that the Hebrew people are people, like we are people, and we fail over and over and over again to follow God's laws and God's commands, the ones that have been spoken and written and carried, carried to us. Two, it became easy over history to start adding to the laws and in, in the way we measure as human beings for it to become a natural source of measurement. Who follows the law the most is the most righteous. This outward measurement of faith and love and who's loving God and serving God the best. So Jesus comes along. And he notices how the law has been misused. It's not about the love, the dedication, the entire being of loving God and serving others and serving God. It's about what do I look like on the outside? Am I following the rules? And of course, in the New Testament, the Pharisees are one object of uh, Jesus' scorn when he starts thinking about this. In Matthew 23, 27, he actually refers to the Pharisees as whitewashed tombs. They've, con- they've followed the law. They're, they're doing all the right things, but it's for their own glorification instead of loving God fully. So they may look good on the outside, but on the inside, they are rotten. They are sick. So Jesus remembered and knew the law was about love, loving God with our entire being as we described. And he reminds people of this in Mark 12, 28 to 34. He's asked the question, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, the Lord is first, the Shema that we just talked about. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no no commandment greater than these. So Jesus knew this because the scripture tells us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law where we fail, where people fail to love properly and completely love God, their, their neighbor, Jesus did and Jesus could. 
Jesus loved completely with his whole being. He, he loved others. He loved God. He loved people and God and was obedient all the way to the cross as Pastor Clint mentioned earlier. And because of his, his death and resurrection, because of his loving completely, we're now forgiven. And we now have complete access to God. So the question we have with, the question that I started with this morning was, who do you love and how do you love? It's, I, you know, this, this idea of love, certainly it's, I don't know if we can love as fiercely and as emotionally as the young Beatles followers did, but in our own way and in the way that we've described what love is when it comes to love of God and others. The questions of who are you most devoted to? Whose word is in your heart and mind? Whose word do you know and teach to your children and your grandchildren and the people in your family? Whose word do you teach or attach to the doorway of your home? Whose word do you proclaim in your community? Have you chosen to love something or someone more than God's word and more than Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus keeps it rather simple. In John 14, 15, he declares this. If you love me, Jesus says, keep my commands. Follow the commands the Lord gave Moses to guide the Hebrew people and that Jesus fulfilled. Jesus affirms to us today. Love God completely. Love your neighbor with your whole heart, soul, and mind. And when you do these things... Remember who your Savior is. Remember God's word. You'll declare who God is and de declare your identity as disciples of Christ. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for giving us your word and your commands. <clears throat> While we acknowledge that we are not able to fully follow them, we do all sin and fall short of your glory, Lord. We do thank you for the forgiveness and mercy we found because of our failures through Jesus Christ. Lord, we also pray for your wisdom and your guidance and your strength as we, we do seek to follow your commands, to be more and more like Jesus every day. And Lord, we pray for our children. We pray that you give us the ability to teach them well, to teach them to know your word and to, to love you fully, to know who they are, to always remember they are children of God, and to be agents of your love in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our first Prez Mommy podcast. Learn more about our church at our website, firstpresmommy.org. Have a great week.